What's up, table fam? How are we doing? Yeah. All right. It's a little dark outside. Time change. There's some uh, uh, national events going on. But hey, I'm excited to be here. If we haven't had a chance to meet, uh, my name is Isaac, and I'm part of the team here at the table. And we've been in the series um, called uh, Grayscale, where we're kind of thinking through these like really big gray areas of life, right? So we've talked through sex, we've talked through alcohol, we've talked through politics. Um, our good friend David Branch was up here a couple weeks ago talking through social justice. Um, Last week, we did a couple things. One is we talked about purpose in life, um, to, be, to reproduce ourselves and other people. As we said, pour one out, y'all, <sighs> for our beloved young adult pastor, Doug. Um, but today, um, we are talking about things that don't really have a category, right? There are some things in life that just are so, like, we don't even know how to describe it because it's a little bit of job stuff with a little bit of family stuff, with a little bit of friend stuff, with a little bit of, like, romantic stuff, with a little bit of can I pay rent stuff, like, all mixed in together. And we just feel overwhelmed. Anybody? Is it just me? Some of us? Okay, yeah, I think every hand, a lot of hands in the room. So that's what we're talking about today, is that I think a lot of us have been there. There's so much uncertainty, so much unknown, and we just come to moments whenever we just don't know what to do. So um, to set us up, I'm going to tell a story of a Puerto Rican girl. Any Puerto Ricans in the room? A few? Yeah, okay, yeah, I got my, heck yeah. You can always count on the Boricuas to be loud. This is amazing. Thank you all for being my, my squad right up here. Uh, so a Puerto Rican girl, uh, 17 years old, and as some Puerto I'm not going to make any assumptions, but from what I know generally um, about some Puerto Rican girls is that uh, and just girls in general, uh, is that, you know, you want to you wanna start dating because you want to get married, because you want to have a family, because you want to have a lot of kids, right? So this was this Puerto Rican girl that I knew, is that she, um, she just wanted that life, but here's the issue, she didn't have anybody. So she's there in Puerto Rico, and there's um, a new neighbor that moves across the street. Ah, ha, ha, ha. So she sees him through the window, notices him, and he's looking pretty good. So she notices him. He notices her, she notices him noticing her, he notices her noticing him, and they lock eyes, and she's like, ooh, and then they start seeing, and love is an open door. No, they don't. <laughs> but that's basically what happens, is that, oh, that was a Frozen reference, Frozen 1, not Frozen 2. Uh, so they start, they have this moment where like, ooh, even just with that kind of eye-locking connection. Here's the issue, though is that Nilda, this girl, is a faithful following Jesus girl, right? She's been following Jesus for a long time. And the guy, his name is David, um, he is anything but. He is a womanizing drunk. So what does she do? And I think this is what sets her apart from a lot of 17-year-olds that we know. It's because what she does is she prays. And she prays. And she fasts. And she prays, right? And just prays that just God would intervene in this guy David's life, right? And she's just praying. And the mom, you know, her mom isn't really liking the situation, isn't really liking that she's praying, but she's praying nonetheless. And sure enough, on a Saturday night, David is walking home drunk Saturday night in Puerto Rico to where he has like a Saul of Tarsus-like experience where God brings him down on his knees and he realizes that he doesn't like the life that he's living, and then he decides to start following Jesus on a Saturday. The next day was a Sunday, so he's like, okay, well, what do, what do Christians do? Granted, he's thinking in Spanish, right? So he's like, what do, what do Christians do? He's like, well, I think I'm a Christian now. I think Christians go to church. So he just finds the church in town, and then he goes, and guess who's leading musical worship? 
Nilda. Ah, mom still doesn't like it. <laughs> so, so they start getting to know each other, and sure enough, you know, they start dating, and mom's like, mm, I don't know about this guy, but he actually passes the time test and actually ends up being a really good, genuine Jesus follower, gets saved, they start dating, they get married, and those are my grandparents. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, so here's what happened. So my grandpa David, so David starts following Jesus. And so now he's like, he has all of this like uh, gusto um, in Spanish, it's called ganas, right? To start just like telling people about Jesus. So he starts um, just people gathering around him to start talking about Jesus. And then people are gathering to listen. And then he starts going to parks and people are gathering to listen, to listen to him talk about Jesus. And then he starts going to churches and people are gathering to listen, talk about Jesus. And eventually, um, I think I've shared this before with some, he is packing out soccer stadiums along with some other dudes as they're talking about Jesus. It's happening like in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. These big campaign revivals where thousands of people are coming to know Jesus. He's like the, the Spanish Billy Graham. So a lot of people are getting saved through his ministry, um, including members of the Puerto Rican mob. Right? So these, these Puerto Rican mob members, these members of the Puerto Rican uh, drug cartel, um, they, are, um, they are committing their lives to Jesus, so these mob bosses are losing money because their dudes aren't pushing drugs and selling drugs anymore. So these mob bosses, these drug cartel guys, are like, well, why are we losing money? Oh, because of David? Oh, well, we need to put an end to David. So after 30 years of ministry in 1977, back in Puerto Rico, uh, the Puerto Rican mob, um, they're hanging out, the family there on a Sunday morning, or sorry, on a Sunday afternoon. They had just finished like a week-long revival there in the city. Um, they're hanging out um, with the, the parents and the kids, and here comes a drive-by shooting, two men in masks at their house, and Grandpa David gets shot. As well as David has a 16-year-old daughter who also gets shot. So they rush them to the hospital, and um, 16-year-old daughter is in the hospital, but recovering okay. Uh, Grandpa David is not doing too great. He's in, um, like, months in a coma in the hospital. And here is poor, not 17-year-old anymore. Here is Grandma Nilda. And Nilda has this moment where the Puerto Rican government tells them it's not safe for them to be in Puerto Rico anymore, and they need to exile for their safety. So Grandma Nilda has this moment where she says, what do I do? <laughs> what do I do, right? So the question that I think that she had is that in that moment, um, she felt, I would imagine, uh, overwhelmed, some fear, some anxiety. She has this moment where she doesn't know what to do. She's told that she needs to leave, the family needs to leave, Grandpa, who's made a lot of the family decisions, isn't there anymore. What does she do? And she has a question that I think um, some of us have, um, although we may not have been shot by a drug cartel member and needed to exile. Is that anybody else? No? No? Okay. Um, one random hand shoots up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so maybe that's not your story, but I think all of us have this question to some extent. It's this question that we see right here. What do we do when we don't know what to do? What do we do when we don't know what to do. And in those moments, we may feel overwhelmed. 
There's just so much uncertainty of the future, and we just have no idea what to do. I don't know if y'all know this. Some of y'all know this really well. We're in a, an um, economic crisis right now. We're especially here in Orlando where hospitality is so huge, and many of us are just searching for jobs, and we're searching, and we're searching, and the jobs aren't coming. What do we do when we don't know what to do? All right? For some of us, there's just really weird family stuff going on. What do we do when we don't know what to do? Um, I don't know. It got cold a little bit. Did y'all notice the weather change? And what does it mean when it gets cold? It's cuddle season. And some of us don't have anybody to cuddle with, right? And we just feel, we just see that, and we, you know, we're even older in life, and we feel it. And I see some people that are like, no, we're good. We're sitting right next to my boo right now. Uh, Some of us, we feel that. We feel that anxiousness. We feel overwhelmed. What do we do when we don't know what to do. So um, fortunately, we actually have, um, there's a dude that we're going to look at. His name is King David um, in, the, in the Psalms. And King David actually experienced this, what do I do when I don't know what to do moment. Except David actually provides a really good model for what to do when we don't know what to do. If you don't know David's story, so David, um, before he was king, he was the future king. He was announced as king. He was going to be the king of Israel. And the current king, Saul, did not like that. He didn't like that he was going to be uh, succeeded by this dude named David. So what does Saul do? Naturally, he puts a death threat on David's life. I mean, obviously. So Saul is trying to go and put an end to David's life. So in, as David is fleeing in exile, as David is fleeing for his safety, he goes out to the desert and he writes this. He writes, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. I'll read it again, where David says this, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. So I want us to notice a few things here um, that David uh, points out. First of all, he's saying, you are my God. Look, God, look, you, I'm following you. I have no idea what to do, but here's what I know, is that you are going to be my anchor point. You are going to be my focus. When I'm feeling very overwhelmed, let me not forget that you're in charge here. Let me not forget that I want to follow you with my life. God, just, I need some help here, though. If I can just be honest, just, just a little honest right now, I just need a little bit of help. So David, asking for help, he says, God, I'm following you, but man, teach me. Teach me to do your will. Look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remain teachable right now. I don't know what to do, God. I'm going to need you to help teach me to do your will because I have no idea what to do, God. I need a little bit of help right now. So then he says, um, and also, I'm going to remain teachable. I'm following you, God. I'm going to remain teachable um, as well as I just need some guidance here. So, God, can you send your spirit to lead me? Can you send your spirit to lead me as I'm trying to follow you? I'm going to remain teachable. I'm following you, but I need help from you. I need help from sending your spirit toward me. God, here, here's my posture. So I just want you to notice his posture. And notice specifically what he's guiding and orienting himself for. It's your will, meaning God's will. So in this moment of, God, I don't know what to do, He's asking God, but I want to do your will. Now, I say that. I know many of us, um, especially if you've been in church for a little while, I think a lot of us at some point before have prayed or have asked God, God, I want to do your will. I don't, is this your will? Is this not your will? I think this is your will, but maybe this thing over here is your will. God, I have no idea what your will is. So let me go ahead and help us out by distinguishing what we mean when we say God's will. 
And this concept will be so, so, so helpful for you. If you understand this now, it's going to set you up well for the rest of your life. You guys ready? You're like, please, Isaac, tell me right now. I need to, like, I'm ready. I'm taking notes. Please tell me right now. Here's the thing. We need to distinguish between God's revealed will versus God's unrevealed will. Okay, I'll say that one more time. We need to distinguish between God's revealed will versus God's unrevealed will. What do I mean by that? I mean, God's revealed will is exactly what he's revealed to us in Scripture to do, right? To love one another, to serve one another, to give generously, to abide, right? In the New Testament, Jesus says, my food is to do the will of the Father, meaning Jesus says, my whole life is oriented around doing God's will. And then he gives us very clear instructions in the Gospels and then the New Testament writers write what Jesus says as we do God's revealed will, right? To love and to serve and to worship God and to glorify God and to abide. This is really clear, God's revealed will. But honestly, that's not what trips us up now, does it? No. Here's what trips us up, is God's unrevealed will, right? We're asking for God to, to show us his unrevealed will, but guess what? God hasn't revealed this to it yet. God has not revealed it to us yet, right? And then this is what we pray for. We're like, God, can you just show me your will? Can you just show me your revealed will? And God's not being mean, but he's just saying, look, there's a time for everything, and now is not the time for me to reveal to you the unrevealed will. At a certain point, you will know day by day, step by step, but right now it's still unrevealed, right? And I think a lot of us feel this. We feel, God, what, what, what job do I need to have? I mean, a lot of us are applying for jobs right now. What job do I need to have? Do I take this job? Do I take this job over here? Um, do I... What relationship? Is it this person over here? Is it this person over here? Um, it, what? Uh, just, there's this family stuff. Do I need to move? Do I need to stay here in Orlando? Do I need to move somewhere else? And we have so much feeling of overwhelmed of everything just going on all at the same time. And we're like, God, can you just show me already? Can you just show me your revealed will? I don't, I don't know what to do. And here's what's going to help us is that our job is not to try to figure out God's unrevealed will. It's not. Our job is to walk faithfully in God's revealed will. Our job is not to try to figure out God's unrevealed will. Our job is to walk faithfully in God's revealed will. And the more you walk in God's revealed will, the more peace you will feel in God's unrevealed will. The more you walk in God's revealed will, the more peace you will feel in God's unrevealed will. Um, I was in college, my, starting my junior year of college, and um, I had spent the previous two summers uh, working um, with my mom, working, she worked at a community college, so I'd spent two summers in a row just like staring at a computer screen, and not like the fun staring at a computer screen, but like the boring staring at a computer screen, where it's just like a bunch of data entry. So I did that for two summers, and I thought, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. Next summer, I need to do something different. Here's what I want. I want a high-paying summer internship, right? So I had been majoring in film, and I thought, man, I just really want a high-paying summer internship. This is what I wanted. So I started my junior year of college, and my roommate comes home after the summer, starting our junior year, and he's wearing chacos and like a tank top and a headband and like twine, um, twine bracelet. And he's like, bro, just got done working at a summer Christian camp, dude. You should totally do it. And I'm like, I don't, look, I, I want to get a high-paying summer internship. That doesn't sound high-paying at all. I was like, did you make any money? He's like, no. 
was like, okay, well, already, I don't, I don't want to do that. So he's like, no, nah, dude, seriously, Isaac, you would love it. You would love it. I was like, dude, I, I want a high-paying summer internship. He's like, okay, man. And then every day he would just tell me, Isaac, you need to work at the summer Christian camp. Isaac, you need to work at the summer Christian camp. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. So eventually the summer Christian camp comes on campus of the college where I was and set up some booths uh, where you could go and apply. And, and he's like, Isaac, they're literally right like across the street. They're right there, man. It'll take 30 minutes. Just go talk to them. I was like, no, no, dude, I'm good. I'm good. So then my other roommate then comes home and is like holding the packet where he's like, hey, Isaac, I just applied for the, for the Christian camp. And my competitive rage fueled me and is like, uh-uh, uh-uh, no, if he's doing it, I'm doing it too. So I go and I apply uh, for the summer internship. And in part of the application, you know, it's a good conversation. The guy actually was, was a pretty cool guy, the guy interviewing me. And um, there was a, I realized there was actually an, a small internship opportunity there at this Christian camp. Um, and there was, you would have to pref uh, what camp you wanted to work at because it was a pretty big camp. So there was like the really, really cool high school camp. And then there was the less cool middle school camp. And then there was the way less cool kids camp. But the people that worked at the kids camp like loved kids. So you really couldn't be mad at them. But for me, I was like, I want to work at the high school camp because it was like, it was called the shore. So it overlooked this lake thing. And I was like, oh man, I want to be the videographer. That'd be, that'd be cool if I was the, I don't know for sure if I want it, but if I did want it, that would be cool to be the videographer there um, at this high school camp that overlooked the lake. It sounds like a fun summer. So there was two video positions. Uh, one was what was called the program videographer to where you made like the really fun skit videos. If you've ever gone to camp or if you've seen like fun videos, um, one of the video positions did that. The other video position was called the highlight videographer. And the highlight videographer would get super sweaty all day, staying up till three o'clock in the morning, editing videos, just following the campers around uh, to make a highlight video. I was like, okay, well, I definitely don't want to do the highlight videographer. I want to do the program videographer there at the high school camp. So a few weeks later, I receive a phone call. And the guy was like, hey, the, this is Clint from Pine Cove, Isaac, how are you? And I was like, you know, he's Texan, so he has a Texan accent. And I was like, hey, Clint, uh, doing well? He's like, hey, man, well, uh, I just want to invite you to be the highlight videographer at the family camp. <laughs> family camp? He's like, yeah, the family camp. I was like, what's family camp? It's camp with families. And I'm like, that sounds really lame. I don't want to do that at all. I want to go to the, whole, I want to go to the cool uh, the high school camp. And he's like, yeah, but it's the family camp. And by the way, you're going to do the, the highlight videographer position, not the fun program videographer position. So you're going to the boring family camp doing the video position that you don't want to do. He didn't actually say that, but that's how I heard when he was talking to me. So I'm like, oh, I was like, okay, let me, he's like, you have a week to think about it. I was like, okay. So I thought about it and I was like, ah, oh, really wrestling with it, but just felt, you know what? Let's, let's try it out. Let's, let's see what happens here. So I go and I spend my summer um, in getting really, really sweaty in the 104 degrees of Texas um, there at the family camp. And you know what? To this day, best summer of my life. When I first, it, wasn't, it didn't start out that way, though. When it first started, um, there was, like, a lot of rules. And if you've ever worked at a camp, you know the rules. There's, like, you, there's like phone restrictions and, like, leaving and coming restrictions. And um, I legitimately went home after the first week because I went to a wedding as I was researching what is a cult. Like, is this, did I, what, did I, what did I sign up for? And I was like, seeing identified leader, uh, uh, cut off communication with family, kind of. Uh, not a lot of exit and enter, kind of. Okay, but I don't think it's a quote. Let me just keep going here. So I keep going, and sure enough, best summer of my life. 
with some of the coolest people. Typically with, uh, you know, with Christians, it's either like you're like following Jesus or you're fun, right? There's not a lot of like, okay, we're of like the fun people that also fall. Is like, can will there be some overlap? So for the, it was really cool that they're at that camp. That was everybody that was there was like following Jesus and was fun. I was like, okay, great. These are my kind of people. So had a really, really amazing summer. So the camp director at the family camp, um, so he, that was his last summer. Um, so he starts and goes to a church in Dallas and then tells me about a video position at a church in Dallas. So that sets me up then to move, after I graduate college, to move to Dallas. And I had no idea that this clear, small next step, not even of working there, but here was my small, clear next step, just going to apply. Me just showing up to that 30-minute interview set me up for the next 10 years of my life. I had no idea. But that's our big idea is that whenever we don't know what to do, what do I do? What do we do when we don't know what to do? Here's what we do. The thing to do when you don't know what to do is take a small, clear next step. A small, clear next step. What do I mean by that? I mean um, small. So I'm not, you know, when I'm there, uh, I didn't know this at the time, but I'm not like trying to plan my whole life and figuring out like, okay, I need to go to like this networking thing and this networking thing and this networking thing. And I don't really know what's going on. And oh, I just feel so overwhelmed. I just feel so busy. I'm just, everything's coming at me. Small, <laughs> small. So you can think through small as, is this something that I can do tomorrow? Is this something that I can do this week? And if the answer is no, it's not small enough. A small, then clear. What do I mean by clear? Clear is you, you know that you have the resources and capacity to do it. So it's not this really big, ambiguous thing that, oh, I got to watch like six hours of YouTube to figure out this thing. No, it's clear. So whenever we don't know what to do, here's what we do, is we just look for a small, clear next step. So how do we do that? How can we identify? How do we look for? How do we move forward in taking a small, clear next step? Here's how. Here are the four, the four steps to take a small, clear next step. Uh, number one, journal. Y'all, I am not a journaler. I actually hate, I actually will like start arguing why journaling is evil and nobody should ever do it, right? But then I actually started doing it. And the reason uh, journaling felt so overwhelming to me was like, I don't want to be anybody else. Like, I don't want to be mushy-gushy on a piece of paper. Like, I don't know who's going to read this. I don't even want to read this right now. Like, I don't want to feel it. I don't want to process. But here's what I've noticed. Just by writing things down, just like um, a simple sentence. Observations, if you will, right? So I heard it. Uh, one guy said this. Is that you just turn it into like, uh, like observations about your day. Right? And if you're in residency, you practice this, just observations about your day. And just writing things down helps get everything up here that's so jumbled and overwhelmed and feel so anxious and we're like, ah, I don't know what's Writing things down is very helpful. Now, for some of us, this is not the first time you've heard this, right? But let this be a loving reminder that journaling is so, so, so helpful. Just writing things down, whatever we're feeling, whatever our thoughts are, whatever we want to write, just journaling on a piece of paper is so helpful to help take a small, clear next step. Number two, 
Seek counsel. Seek counsel, right? So um, David did this when he says, teach me to do your will, O God, right? So as we're looking at how can we take a small, clear next step, seeking counsel is so helpful, right? Asking people that are wise, right? I would not recommend seeking counsel from everybody, right? Because a lot of us sometimes, you know what you do. You ask somebody, they don't give you the answer that you want, so you ask somebody else. They don't give you the answer you want, so you go to somebody else. And finally, you find that one person um, who's your roommate who kind of is forced to tell you what you want to hear. Like the third time that you ask them, you're like, finally, that's, that's it, God, I hear you now. Let's go. That's not seeking counsel. <laughs> seeking counsel is two to three. I would do more than one um, because if you just do one person and they become kind of your God and they become like your Holy Spirit and you just go to them for everything and they end up like running your life uh, intentionally, unintentionally. So as you're seeking counsel, I would recommend going two to four people. And you'll notice, notice what the, uh, the collective of what they're saying is. Because my suspicion, if they're following Jesus, they're saying the same thing. And it's up to us how teachable we want to be, right? A lot of us, we just want to like, as we're feeling really overwhelmed, we're like, I don't know, I want to make this happen, right? And then we write a script, we hand it to God, come on, God, make this happen, make this happen, let's go, let's go. And then we just find the person we want to, to, to agree with us. Seek counsel and be teachable to the people that love you, what they have to say. Now, with one and two, uh, there's this uh, really weird axiom. We don't say it around here, but I thought it was helpful. Um, and if you're in, like, meeting at work, uh, you can use this too. Um, ideas come from moving lips and moving tips. Tips like, uh, like a pen or uh, a whiteboard, whiteboard marker for me. Ideas come from moving lips and moving tips. Whenever you feel so jumbled in your head, here's what you need to do. You need to write it down. You need to talk about it. And I promise you, if when you feel jumbled, you feel overwhelmed, you feel anxious, you don't know what to do, the best thing that you can do is write things down and talk about it with people that love you. Okay. Number three, though, we're not, we're, I've got a couple more. Number three is pray. Pray. And here's what praying does. Praying helps you to just reorient yourself to God. Remember, David says, you are my God I'm going to follow you, right? Teach me to do your will. Let your spirit guide me. It's really difficult to hear the spirit guiding when we're not listening. So prayer can be active, and it can also be just receiving and listening and sitting still and just hearing from God. You'll be amazed at what God wants to tell you as we're praying. And this overwhelmed feeling that we feel this about uncertainty in the future as we just pray, we just feel so much more um, at peace. Maybe not the first time, maybe not the second time, maybe not the third time, but consistency breeds momentum. And I guarantee you, if you're consistently praying every day, consistently finding time before the Lord, um, the, the, the anxiety, the fear, the overwhelmness, it, it just, it's not that it, it's not there. I don't want to just minimize feelings that are real. Um, it just helps bring it into focus. Okay. Um, some of us are like, I prayed once. It didn't work. All right. <laughs> try, try it again. We'll do it again. Let's have some consistency uh, with prayer. And number four, man, if we are journaling, if we are seeking counsel, if we are praying, there are other things that are helpful as well. But if we're doing these things, take a step, y'all. Take a step, right? So I was talking with a buddy of mine recently, actually this past week. And I don't, so you know, y'all know, um, we meet a lot one-on-one -on -one with people. We say one-on-one -on -one is how it's done. 
And as we meet one-on-one with people, I've noticed myself, um, not intentionally, but I've just noticed myself saying kind of um, similar things to, to, simil- to, to people, um, not because I'm trying to do something, but only because that's just what comes to mind and it's accurate. Um, but here's what I've been saying. It's like, man, you're, you're processing really well. You're thinking the right things, right? And maybe even if you've met with me in this past couple weeks, you're like, yes, Isaac, you did tell me that. Um, that's just because I think a lot of us are processing well and we're thinking the right things. So recently, um, I was talking with a buddy of mine and I said that. I said, hey man, you're, you're processing well and the situation you're going through, you're thinking the right things. And here's what he said. It's on the screen here. He said, you know what though, Isaac? I'm done processing. I'm tired of processing. It's time to take action. And I stood up, started applauding. I was like, oh my gosh, yes, yes. He's exactly right. Processing alone is not going to help. When we're feeling overwhelmed, when we don't know what to do, just thinking about it and sitting in our fields, although it's important, and being thoughtful, although it's important, but just sitting in our, in our head, just in our, in our heart, in our fields, that's not what's going to help. Here's what's going to help is action. What do we do when we don't know what to do? The best thing to do is to take, find, and process with community as you're praying a small, clear next step. Now, I did not forget, I didn't tell y'all what happened to the story, right? So, uh, so Puerto Rican uh, grandparents, uh, so my grandma, Nilda, so she is, she's praying and she's asking God, God, I don't know what to do. God, can you please help me? Just teach me to do your will. God, I'm just, I want to be led by your spirit. Help me what to do. And here's what she prayed. She's like, I'm just going to take a small, clear next step. And here's what I'm going to do, God. The first place that seems safe and seems plausible for us to go, I'm not going to belabor. I'm not going to second guess. God, is this your will? I don't know. Just the first person um, that seems reasonable, that seems safe and offers us a place to go, that's where we're going to go. That's going to be my small, clear next step. So here's what happened. She gets a phone call um, from a church in Alvin, Texas. She had never heard of Alvin before. She didn't really know much of Texas, right? Just cowboys, like what what happens in Texas? Like everybody has a horse. Am I going to have to like ride a horse places? So she just gets a phone call from from a church in Alvin, Texas that heard about what happened to the Garcia family. And they say, hey, we heard what happened. It's not safe for you guys to be in Puerto Rico anymore. Why don't you come here to Alvin? It'll be safe here. You can kind of get, get your life back together. So sure enough, my grandma just decides in a small, clear, well, maybe less than small, <laughs> but at least in a clear next step says, hey, all right, we're going to move to Texas. And I don't know for sure what's going to happen, God. I don't know what you're going to do with this. I don't know what your unrevealed will is, but I do know that it seems like you're revealed will is us going to Texas. So my grandpa in the hospital literally gets wheeled from the hospital to the airport, gets on a plane, and then flies to Alvin, Texas on a Tuesday. The next day is a Wednesday. 16-year-old daughter is there who also got shot, but she recovered. And then she um, was trying to meet people and realizes that the pastor of this church in Alvin, Texas has a 16-year-old son. Mm Mm-hmm. So 16-year-old daughter, 16-year-old son. At first, she didn't like him. But, <laughs> but he, he grew on her because he was really sweet and really kind to her. They start dating a few months later. Um, they have a daughter after they get married, and then they have a son, and that's me. It's my parents. I would not be here 
I would not be here. And you have a very, very similar story of somebody in your life that heard from God and took a small, clear next step, not knowing the certainty of the future, but weren't too worried about the certainty of the future. Here's what they wanted to do. Just follow God's revealed will that was made plain to them to take a small, clear next step. So that's how we're closing. So we will, that's my prayer for all of us, is that we take a small, clear next step. Um, as we're processing together. And as we're all doing that, as we're all feeling like this like supernatural peace and not feeling overwhelmed, and the people around us that are also looking for jobs, the people around us that are also trying to find relationships, the people around us that also have really weird family stuff going on, um, the people around us that um, just, just feel so overwhelmed, and they see us in the same situation, but they say, wow, you seem so much more at peace than me. What do you have that I don't have? What hope do you have that I don't have? And that's where you get to say, you know what? I don't know what the future has, but man, I'm just following Jesus because that's where I put my hope. And as I'm following Jesus, I'm just going to take a small, clear next step day by day, one foot in front of the other. That's my prayer for us. So here's how we're going to respond. I'm sure, I'm confident that all of us have something that we're processing, something that's causing us to feel overwhelmed, right? I keep mentioning job stuff because it's really prevalent. Um, I don't know if y'all know this. There's a, an election for United States going on tonight. So, uh, so you may feel uh, really anxious and overwhelmed about the election, right? Maybe you're like, man, if this person becomes president, I really, ooh, that is not going to be good for me, right? Um, for some of us, it's family stuff. For some of us, relationship stuff. It's friend stuff. Whatever you're going through, my suspicion is that all of us have uncertainty about the future. So I just want to spend some time where we can practice just a little bit of journaling. So if you have your phone, feel free to pull it out for the next few seconds and just write some things down that you're thinking right now, that you're feeling right now. Spend some time just praying and asking God uh, to help you. Um, spend some, uh, you can't, I would not seek wise counsel right now for, for certain, that would be kind of weird. <laughs> but what you can do is maybe send somebody a text and saying, hey, can we chat later? Hey, can we talk through something? So we're just going to spend the next um, 60 to 90 seconds to a couple of minutes just giving you time uh, to process. Um, and then not just to process, but to help us take a clear next step as we're following Jesus. So let me pray for us. God, I thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you for your steadfast love. God, I just thank you so much that you are sovereign over everything. God, you know what our future has. And um, for whatever reason, you don't give it, well, we kind of know why you don't give it all to us, all up front. God, but I'm praying that we can just feel peace and not feel overwhelmed as we're trying to take small, clear next steps following you. God, I pray for all of my friends here at the table. God, that just something just really cool, something supernatural in your power happens tonight. God, where we just feel breakthrough for the first time. We feel hope for the first time, whatever situation we're going through. God, I just pray for um, people that just have just really weird relationship with their parents and they just don't know what to do. God, I pray that you will just provide hope and provide clarity to take a clear next step. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.